0: guys, welcome back to Let's Talk Sport Premier League show. Um, sorry a bit late, um, still waiting for some colleagues, I don't know if they're going to come on, i uh, not sure what's going on tonight, but um, it, I've got a special guest here, uh, did you want to introduce yourself mate?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So my name's Rich Ferraro. I am the the host of 1865 the Nottingham Forest podcast. We've been charting the, the 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 falls and the now rise and hopefully not fall again of Nottingham Forest since 2008 and you can catch us at 1865.football.
0: Cheers mate and appreciate you coming on. Uh so we'll get into Nottingham Forest tonight and um how are your season going so far? The manager, please, a bit under pressure at the moment. Stories around that. Uh, but we're going to start looking at, with looking back at some of the games. And uh, again, there's been some tasty games uh, this past week. So where do we start? And I think the best place to start is Thursday night. Uh, and we had two games on Thursday night. Uh, start with Spurs versus West Ham. Uh, that was a 2 1 win for um, West Ham. Uh, uh, yeah, for West Ham, not a great result again for Spurs. They've, they've not been on great form uh, since the manager won, uh, manager of the month. Uh, they've been done by injuries and uh, they're not on great form going into your game this uh, this weekend. Um, I know they won at the weekend, but um, yeah, what's your thoughts uh, about the West, loss to West Ham?
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, is, uh, uh, Spurs built a way of playing, which was basically down to having, you know, we're seeing inverted wing backs. We're seeing um, attacking prowess and everything. But a lot of that was built on having Mickey van der Ven at the back and James Madison as number 10. So with those two out missing um, for some while. I mean, it's really not Spurs for six, hasn't it? And and they're taking yeah. some time to adjust to that. And one thing that I noticed is at the weekend, when they did get the result, is that they shifted things around a little bit. So Son Heung-min went to the left wing with Richarlison playing up front. And I think that's because they were just really struggling to get that blend. They've got all these great attacking players, but they couldn't they couldn't make it work. And then, yeah, just been being, being leaky at the back with that van der Ven. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. I mean, West Ham are, they seem to be a team who will perennially just kind of muddle along in the middle of the table. Um, but as we discovered, um, they have some moments of quality and most of those moments seem to come um, either from Ward-Prowse or Bowen tend to be involved in those moments that, that tend to come along. Well,
0: I'd argue Ward-Prowse has probably been signing of the, uh, the summer and the Premier League this um uh, this season he's been up there and saying to so jones madison for spurs um yeah they, i'd argue those two are up there for signing in the summer um but if you agree on that
1: well i mean madison's got to be up there and, and yeah. madison's someone who actually i've always kind of struggled to warm to for some reason um but he's obviously really really talented and um whereas Ward Prowse he's just kind of always quietly got on with his job he doesn't seem to have that kind of aura of superstardom that you sometimes see with with big name players even though he was the the rock upon upon which Southampton were built for so many years and he's showing that actually yeah he he can do it um i mean statistically if i'm if i remember rightly he's actually the best premier league set piece taker in history and oh. and Forest paid the price for that a few weeks ago because his set pieces Pep. completely destroyed us.
0: Yeah, Pep, Pep said it last season that he's the best um, free kicker, uh, kick taker in Europe, and mm. coming from Pep with some of the some of the players he's managed is especially De Bruyne at the moment. He's injured yeah. this season, but coming from him, that's a very big prize from Pep. Um, do you think? Do you think Spurs will finish in the top four, or do you think they're going to just fall off?
1: It's difficult to know. I mean, I think it'll also depend upon what they do in January. Um, I think that they've got themselves into a position whereby actually a few astute signings, they don't have to kind of commit major surgery, a few astute signings could really make quite a big difference to them Mm -hmm. because what Andrew's done, as I say, he's, he's established a style of play that seems to get the best out of a lot of the existing squad. And then there's two or three players who maybe... Either a new or didn't feature before, who are now getting the chance to to do so and kind of play their part. So it's just how thick the squad is, you know. And 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 at the moment, maybe they're they're feeling that they're down to the bare bones. But as I'm sure every fans of every club would say, well, we've got loads of injuries, and and that's an ongoing theme in the Premier League these days, isn't it? Yeah,
0: definitely, I agree. Like we've been done by injuries this year, but it's so tight at the top of the league, like. We've had a horrendous season. We're only six points behind City, which is mad. With this season we've had, like even City is struggling this season. It's it's very very tight up there. It's called top four this season, I think. Um, Going on to our next game, another uh, upset here, and that's Everton three, uh, Newcastle nil. Saudis losing to Everton. Um, Everton, who's picked up a bit of decent form. Um, I think they've uh, been up, uplifted by this points deduction, and they um, and uh, I think I think they're going to stay up. But what a result! Crashing Newcastle three 0
1: Well, so Newcastle are another team who would say we've been decimated by injuries. And although you refer to them as the Saudis, what's been noticeable is that they haven't gone out and signed everyone. Um, yeah. and, and then maybe they're paying the price maybe for having not enough players in that squad. Uh, mm. what I would say is, uh, Everton, obviously the first match after they got the deduction, they got absolutely battered by some team wearing red that you might know of. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that was the kind of the initial shock of it and they look completely shell shocked, but then they played us and and, and they were the deserved deserved winners. Um it wasn't it wasn't a pretty game, but Everton deserved deserved the points. I mean I've always said that Sean Deitch is a really really good manager and he probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. People tend to brand him as a long ball merchant, but actually there is some nuance to play. What he is is somebody who asks his teams to get the ball forward quickly. And that's not the same as as hit and hope hoof fit football. Um, yeah what I would say is, regardless of a points deduction or not, I still maintain that Everton's chances of staying up pretty much proportionately depend upon how many games Domin- Dominic Calvert-Lewin is fit for. If he's yeah. there, then they'll be fine. If he's not, then they're going to struggle.
0: I think they have got some other important players as well. Like Obviously, they've got the midfielder, um, Onana. He's really good. It's another player I'd look at. United if financial issues around there, we could get a decent deal there. And obviously, um, this is not a uh, breakaway as well. So they've got some decent players in that squad.
1: Yeah, they have, um, they have. Uh, but I think um the thing is, is that uh, again, that kind of, it's always been the case. It's slightly different now. So with Everton before, they relied on, on Calvert-Lewin because basically they didn't have anyone else who was capable of, of being yeah. creative and, and, and kind of, uh, making chances and calvert Lewin mm. was good at making chances and then taking the ones that he's created yeah now it's slightly different so we've seen mcneil is in a good run at the moment um Jimmy Garner's getting a run of games for the first time in his career at Premier League level. Um, he's and of course he'll be a
0: good player. I really rated him
1: when he was a yeah, of course you know about him and, and Forest fans know about him. Yeah, and he was, yeah. yeah. play player with huge potential. He could he could really be a a, a big star. Um a bargain as well. We sold him for
0: like nothing as well to
1: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I th- I, th- I think it was I think it was um it was Ten to fifteen million, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, and, it's and and Forest for yeah. weren't quite ready to gamble on that kind of money. Bangerman would just got promoted. Um yeah. and of course, actually united are not necessarily um very well thought of in, in forest households because they dithered <laughs> quite a lot in terms of <laughs> saying and it meant that forest had to move on. So Forest signed yeah. other players in that midfield berth. But I think all Forest fans will speak very, very highly of of, of Ghana. <laughs> and then as you say, Branthwaite at the back and then Uh, So, yeah, they've they've got other players. And I say, because of this style of football, of getting the ball quickly, using Harrison and McNeil and Ducore as a kind of a, a sort of a number 10... It means actually they're getting the ball into dangerous positions more often, and that's going to lead to more goals and more chances. So they're not as dependent upon calvert Learn in the same way as they were under previous managers, but now they need him as the main guy who's got finishing ability. Um, maybe it'll make a difference now that Beto's off the mark. I say McNeil's in a good run of form. Whether he can keep that up or not, we'll we'll have to wait and see. So they're not as dependent, but still he is the main man in terms of scoring goals for them.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd agree. Um, I think I think I think they would stay up there. I think I think there's worse teams around there than than Everton, and um, I think if they didn't have their points deduction, they'd be looking mid-table. Um, I think they're
1: top half without the points deduction. So um, you know, so and that yeah, and and ultimately we're getting to the point of the season where the table doesn't lie. Um, yeah. So in that case, it does because the t- point yeah. deduction. Um, I think they got it at a good
0: time, cool. though. If it came like we've discussed it a few times on the podcast, if it came like say February. That yeah. could be mur- murderous for their season, but I think they yeah. got it at a good time when they were in a bit of decent form, anyway, and they had a bit of a bit of a window there. To just...
1: I think as well they they will be considering themselves fortunate that. By going to the independent commission, it delayed it because if they'd got the deduction last season, they'd be in free fall now. They really yeah. would because obviously without with, with the reduction in Premier League money, um, Deitch, of course, would be an amazing manager to bring them back up. But, mm. you know, they, they are proudly the team who've not gone down. and and They, and
0: they can't afford to get relegated this season because they're going into a new stadium as well. Yeah. Uh, and they've spent a lot on
1: um, yeah exactly and and so relegation last season would have been a disaster and of course um in that sense they're also very very fortunate because there was whispers and murmurs about it last season and it would have made forest's um job of staying up a whole lot easier <laughs> last season yeah. um there was we more did it pro- in the end of our own back but yeah
0: on the premier league though there was, there's been more protests today i don't know if you've seen it um they were they had a big screen outside of the premier league um offices all about the corruptions and all that all day playing this tape on repeat about mm-hmm. corruption in the premier league uh going back into stuff with city and stuff as well which we spoke about quite a lot and it's um very inconsistent on some of their decisions
1: well, and I heard it I heard it put very neatly by a journalist and forgive me because I can't remember who it was, but a journalist was basically on Totally Football Show was saying that the difference between Everton and City is that Everton had breached the rules and therefore it's a question of, you know, is it okay to make an example of them? Personally, I feel it absolutely is because I think that actually there needs to be it needs to be shown that big clubs can take the fall as well. There's a friend of mine who's a Luton fan, and he watched his club more or less almost go out of business before having their meteoric rise back up into the Premier League.
0: Yeah, we've got a new, seen... um, a new guy on the podcast. It was many on tonight. I'm not sure where he is. Um, but he's a um, Luton fan. We, we had a podcast a while back before we it doing the team what about their rise yeah. and fall.
1: Yeah, and of course, what you, you what you can say is, in certain circumstances, is the is the punishment proportionate to the crime. In the case of Luton, to get thirty points deduction, and you know, go all the way down. Then, on the other hand, um, Everton getting a ten point deduction in that respect is is the least that can happen for financial irregularity. And you could always argue, well, it's the fans who get punished and not and not the people yeah. who make those decisions, but when we've seen other clubs going out of business, I think it's absolutely right that um, Premier League teams are made an example of. And I would be saying that even if it is my team who were the victims of that.
0: I think the difference is, though, like, and I've spoken about it before, with your Chelsea's and your your Everton, Chelsea and Everton are different than City because they have openly come to the Premier League and said, we're... um, We've broken, a, we think we've broken financial pair play. Um, Chelsea yeah. have done it, said they, they've broken it under Abranovic. Which I'm surprised it's not under Todd Bowley, let's be honest. He's uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> a clown. Um, but yeah, they've, they've come and admitted to the problem. And if you compare it to City, who are refusing to talk to the Premier League, a court case has been set now for, ne- for next year. And um, I think. If it's proven correct, like we all think it is, they need to throw a book at City because they're yeah. not they're not openly, they're openly refusing to speak to the Premier League about it and give them documents. Which is, yeah. in my opinion, is guilt if you're not guilty, why would you refuse to speak to the Premier League about it?
1: Well, and and so going back to what I was saying a, a couple of minutes ago, yeah. So so Everton have broken the rules and it was a question of what's the proportionate punishment with city it's much harder because it's about proving that they've broken the rules because city have done everything possible to say rules what rules no there's no rules are here um so yeah. that's the that's the way that they have played it and it will be really interesting to see what punishment would come city's way it would also be interesting to see what City would do, because obviously, even the might of the Premier League with its hundreds of millions of pounds is no match for the might of legal prowess that an entire country, uh, you know, one of the richest countries in the world, can can muster. So the question being, where would it go? What would be the the, the ongoing fallout from that?
0: Yeah, definitely. Anyway, we've progressed into a topic... <laughs> that everyone's speaking about quite a lot at the moment. So our next game, title six pointer: Aston Villa one, Arsenal nil. Are oh, Aston Villa in a title race? That is the question of the day on the podcast today. Are Aston Villa in a title race?
1: Unai Emery kind of said so, didn't he? <laughs> he kind yeah. of said, kind of said, yeah, it's it's, it's happening, um, but in his own kind of inimitable <laughs> way. Um, I, I really like Emery. I like the fact that he, um, I mean, one of the things, and this is nothing to do with his managerial prowess. I like the fact that when Villa appointed him, you could actually, even though he could speak English, he hadn't spoken English for a few years before coming back to the Premier League with Villa. And so yeah. you've been able to hear his spoken English really improve over the last year or so. Um, yeah. And And yeah, the job that he's doing, you, you can't argue right. with it. And and it's a really, an astute uh, appointment. And it's, it's so strange, isn't it? It's so crazy because for Villa to go from, hmm, who'll be a good manager for our club? Hmm, let's try Steven Gerrard to, tell you what, let's get Unai Emery's available, let's get him. Yeah. It's an absolute quantum leap. And the thing that I like about good managers make okay players look really good, now I knew yeah. that Ollie Watkins was good but he's yeah. you know he wasn't international class and I think he yeah. he should be knocking on the door for for the England squad that's perfectly reasonable but there's a whole bunch of other players in there Douglas louise I think is probably the unsung hero of of all yeah. Premier League midfields um, I, re- I think he's a re- brilliant player
0: I really appreciate like their die their that like, structure at the club as well because when they got rele- relegated like uh, couple of years back that club was a mess they had steve yeah. bruce they got relegated all the fans were turning on on the uh, the board obviously they brought in this new structure um obviously a proper premier league structure you've got your technical director uh, he makes he he picks the, the style of football that um and hires a manager to build the style of football villa want to play and going back to my club united that's a mess at the moment we haven't got a football structure. It's like we'll hire four different managers, all with different styles, not set a style of play the foot, the um the club want to play. Like ten Hag said it himself this week that he wasn't hired to bring uh play the style of football. Why did you hire him? I love I love Ooh. him and I think he's the right manager, but you should set the style of play that your club want to play to when you hire the manager and yeah
1: and i'll give you an example i know this is a premier league show but i'll give you an example Mm. from uh the championship which is for years and years and years swansea so Mm. they would have a manager who'd have a couple of good seasons and then move on but then they'd Mm. be able to appoint another manager so um after Rogers, they were able to uh, appoint another man. You know, they had a couple of, couple of, right, you double. know, a couple of hiccups. But then, you know, they had Potter, and then they had Steve Cooper. And then, one of the reasons that Cooper left when he did was because, um, if I remember rightly, the chairman changed and the football structure changed. And you see how they have struggled since then to establish establish a way of doing things brighton are a really really good example as well they really are and just look how good
0: potter went and then they got an upgrade on potter when they got to deserve it's like
1: and that's the really hard thing to do is if you are going to um get rid of or lose your manager you have to be able to upgrade and they were able to do it pretty much seamlessly and and again Deserby makes players who were previously looked kind of average. He makes them look mm. world-class.
0: Yeah. He's been looked at Real Madrid, so that, that tells you how good of a manager he is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's the question. Let us know in the uh, comments on the live as well. Are Aston Villa in a title race? Little stat for you. This time, the season uh, Leicester won the league, Aston Villa are on the same amount of points as <laughs> Leicester was when they won the league. Are they in the title? Let us know. Um, yes, going on to our next game. And it is, it's yourself. Uh, Wolves won. Uh, Forest one. Two teams struggling at the moment this season. Wolves have lost that identity that they've been, we talked about identity in a minute ago, they used to have a bit of an identity, and lost. I think they lost it the last eighteen months. They they used to bring in quite good players and had that decent style of football, and um, they were they were getting results. And they've dropped off a lot this season. Um, facing yourself who's also struggling at the moment. What was your thoughts on the one-one draw with uh, Villa? Uh, well,
1: I would I would start off by saying that in terms of Wolves' identity, um. That's something that that had gone basically wrong before this season. Yeah. Uh, so Gary O'Neill actually has proved to be an astute appointment. I was I was amazed that Bournemouth got rid, and mm-hmm. it's a it was a real gamble, and it, it looks as though Iriola's kind of turning turning it around there, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Bournemouth be better off across the course of the season than they were under O'Neill? Difficult to say. Um, yeah. I think the thing is that O'Neill's—you know—last season he was learning on the job. This season mm-hmm. at Wolves, with um, with the squad he's got, he's obviously decided that on who can do jobs for him and you know how to how to get the best out of them. And Matthias Kuna. Cunha, who scored against Forrest and is, is he's in a good run of form at the moment. Mm-hmm. He's a really good example of that. He was a player who last season, he looked a bit lost. You're kind of thinking, is he ever going to kickstart his career? And it's taken the new manager to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. Having said that, naturally, my, my my thoughts were mainly to do with uh, with Forrest uh, in that match. And you say that, you know, two teams are in the doldrums. Wolves, after the highs of the years under Nuno, then yeah. they will be saying, Yeah, we're in the doldrums. But actually, I, th- I think that they're realistically mid table is, is mid-table, probably about yeah. right for them. Um, for Forest, we were aspiring to mid table, and I still think that Forest can be a comfortably mid table team this season, and not just because there's three teams at least worse than them,
0: mm.
1: but um. Of course, Forrest had been in a wretched run of form. And the most notable thing about the match is that Forrest went back to basics in many ways. So Cooper changed seven lineup changes. Um, and the seven players who came in, most of them were players who were signed last season, not this season. So some of those um, exciting signings from this year, like Sangare and Dominguez um Gonzalo Montiel hasn't featured for a while so some of those players have kind of dropped down the pecking order slightly for Cooper to go with players he can trust so we saw the likes of Nico Williams uh, come in we saw um Ryan Yates come back in the middle of the park and and last season he really was the beating heart of the Forest team um mm-hmm. even though he's not a big name and Forest played 5 at the back with no no out and out strikers But the most important thing was they showed spirit and they showed a greater. Because they were able to show greater mental fortitude, it showed through in the way that they were playing. So if there was going to be a team who were going to win that. Yes, I'm biased, but I would argue that Forest were more likely to get the points. Yeah, I
0: agree. Um, Yeah, hopefully uh, you you start picking up points. I think think you're right. You're both around that mid-table. I don't think both will get relegated. I think there's worse teams around there. Um, going on to the next team, and another shock, uh, one of those worst teams, Sheffield United, picking up a win against Brentford. A uh, Brentford whose form's been pretty decent again this season. We know we get Brentford Brentford um, mid-to-high Premier League. Decent team, Brentford. Great structure, as we talked about before. But Sheffield United, great result for them.
1: Yeah, really was. Um, the question being, is it new manager bounce? Is it sustainable? Mm. I mean, the most important thing is that they kept a clean sheet. Mm. And, and Chris Wilder, the management style he has, I think he'll be delighted with that. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think there's been a little bit in terms of both club and manager having to say, you know, let's bury the hatchet. Let's rebuild mm. this. And, it
0: before, and i think he was a bit archly upset and i think they realized their mistake
1: yeah i mean they technically they were bigger than they were and, te- technically it was mu- mutual consent um and apparently yeah. I, I read something which said that actually it kind of was as close to mutual consent as you'll ever get um yeah. so wilder you know as, as so often happens, he was a bit knackered and and kind of was, oh, maybe I have taken it as far as I can go and maybe now's the time to step away. Um, but he's come back and he's obviously he's obviously raring to go and I think that will take them a long way, that kind of that feisty energy that he's got. Mm. Yeah, keeping a clean sheet, I wasn't expecting that because they've been like a sieve at the back. Mm. And the question being, have they got enough good players to be able to sustain that? It's difficult to tell. And this is another situation whereby there's a bit where, I mean, I'm no I'm not particularly a fan of Heckingbottom um, in terms of you know what I've seen of him, but as a manager, I think he will reasonably feel hard done by for all the same reasons as as we've discussed with so many other clubs, including United, which is that if things are Wrong behind the scenes, the manager is is onto a loser before he even starts, and by bringing in Wilder, then it kind of puts a sticking plaster over what's going on at the rest of the club because the fact remains they came into the Premier League with a squad weaker than the one that they had in the Championship.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, I don't think they've got enough, though. Or right, clubs around I still think down go down. As I say, that's a great result. But um, with Everton picking up form, um, Luton, around, the, I think Luton have been really, really unlucky. They've got they got the draw against Liverpool. Um, they they were very unlucky against us. We beat them um, one nil, and then they got very unlucky against City um, last, uh, this week. So, which we'll get onto in a bit, but. Luton have got enough, I think. And if it'll be a mad I, I really hope Luton stay up just because of the story. Um, I don't think Sheffield United will stay up. One of our co hosts in chat, uh, he can't be on tonight, but uh, Boom says Sheffield United 20th, my prediction addiction from the start. <laughs> uh, yes, so next, uh, I'm sure Boom's not uh, glad he's not here about our next game because he's a united fan as well united nil bournemouth three another shocking performance um a lot of people turning on tan Hag. um it's mainly the media i've seen a lot of backing from united fans which i think is a bit of a turn um a lot of united fans if other managers they have started throwing him managers on the bus at this point but i think he's bought a lot of love from to the United fans and the United fans are a lot behind him than I've seen but, like, but behind another manager. But how long can it continue if we're getting these bad results? That's the question. But it's the structure. It's uh, we talked about it before. It's no structure at this club. And before I, I, I've given up till till the, I don't care if it's Sir Jim. I don't care if it's Qatar. A lot of United fans are oh it needs to be Qatar and I'm being realistic. They, All these Qatar are still in it. It's just it's ITKs and people making stuff. I've not seen anything to prove Qatar is still in. So why am I going to put hope on and all that stuff? I've not seen anything to give me any hope that they are still in. So if and the plans that I've heard from Sir Jim Radcliffe, if it is him, um, the CEO who used to work for Juventus and and PSG who's a very good CEO. Um, he brought back Juventus after their first, um, they got in trouble financial fair play like 10 years ago um, and he did he made loads of money for PSG but, and then the director of football that's talked about is Paul Mitchell who's got Premier League experience got European experience. He's a great director of football. He's worked with Ineos before. Um it's, it's a really good football structure. Um it's just if there's a view to a permanent takeover, that's the only thing I would worry about is is it 25% with sport and control and that's it? Or is it 25% with view to a permanent takeover from the Glazers? That's the only thing I would question on that structure. Um that's not been very clear from the media, so we we, we have to see them that. But Qatar, I don't believe any of the Qatar ship until I see anything. And if it, if Qatar come back in tomorrow, I'll be very happy. But I'm not seeing anything to prove that they are going to. So I don't know what's your thoughts on that. But I think we're not going to improve till it happens.
1: Well, I mean, my thoughts are that. I don't like nation states getting involved in club football. So we can talk about Newcastle. And we can talk about Man City. Um, I think there's, the you know, the obvious phrase that people use a like sports washing. And I think that I'm, I would much, in order to have enough money to be involved in football, you're going to have some enemies somewhere and you're going to have some dirty laundry somewhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, um if there's individuals who are mad enough to stake their considerable fortunes mm-hmm. on, on a losing game in terms of in terms of owning football clubs, that's up to them. When entire states are getting involved, I think there's it adds a different dimension. So that's mm-hmm. the first element. The second thing I want to say is that uh, I think you and I can empathize with each other quite a lot because the majority of Forest fans want Steve Cooper, um, or are supportive of Steve Cooper, really love the rapport that he has with the club, the fans, the city, um, and feel that sometimes he's been dealt a really bad hand by, by the powers that be in a very different way, because with forest, they have had to learn how to structure as a premier league club, because we got promoted at least a season earlier than we expected. Bearing in mind, we were in the relegation places when Cooper took over. So we're having to build that football structure and, um, so, whereas with United, it's that it's essentially negligence on part on part on the part of the the people who own and run the club that they haven't they've let that football structure go. So it's a different mm-hmm. set of circumstances, but I think there's a lot of empathy there.
0: Yeah, I agree, and you can use Ajax for example this season. Like going back to European football, Ajax having a shocking season. They lost Ten hag. They've lost that structure that's so famous for it. They've still got the CEO, but that's falling apart. They're starting to fall apart now. The famous side of lost over Mars. We won't go into why they yeah. lost over Mars, but he was good at his job. Um, in a football, f- purely football sense, he was good at his job. And he had that relationship with Ten Hag, um, which is the relationship he hasn't got United. He's even at um, Go Ahead Eagles. Um, I can't remember the other club in Netherlands that he was at before but he was assistant at Bayern all of these clubs, he was under twenty ones manager at Bayern as well, I think all of these clubs have proper footballing structures which he has had worked at before and he's come into United and he's got to do everything, he is director of football because they've got someone who doesn't know what he's doing they don't have a set style of play, they want him to play it's just a mess and I can't I've said it before, I love Ten Hag, but if, if Sir Jim Radcliffe comes in and he wants to play, say, tiki-taka football, he wants to play like City, other but they wouldn't do that, I don't think that's the style, you know, I would play it, I'm just using an example. And obviously Ten Hag's probably not the manager for that style of football, then you have the conversation, he doesn't fit the style. But at the moment, we haven't got that structure, so it's a pointless conversation till it's changed, in my opinion. Um, We've got a comment in chat, Ian, Ian from Australia. Thanks for joining us. Ange fan, got an Ange fan in chat. Welcome. I see a few people in the chat. Uh, Welcome in, guys. Um, So uh, next we have Brighton, and they got a 1-1 draw with Burnley. Um, So companies, Burnley getting a few results the last few games. Um, He was getting a bit under pressure. I Still don't think they have enough to get out the relegation um i think they are one of the worst teams there they haven't got the squad to play uh company football um but in a bit of pressure off company which i think he was starting to get and brighton had a bit of a fallout that like, i think i think they felt again i think they've had a few injuries and then they've just have just, just dropped off again a little bit um but um They've had been great in Europe. um I'm not sure what the scores today in, in Europe for them, but depending on the result today, I think they topped their group, which was a really hard group to top with Marseille and um, Ajax. And uh, so they're doing really well in Europe. Uh, great manager. I think the Zerbi's not going to be there long. um I think if a change did happen at United, I think he'd, that'd be a conversation for Zerbi. We've been linked with Potter ex Brighton today. I don't think he's the guy. Um, if they were going to make a change, not that I want to. Um, but yeah, uh, what do you think about that game?
1: Well, I agree. I don't think Burnley have got enough. Um, I think the danger for Vincent Company from the outside looking in is that he has wanted to put his faith in young players and he seems to be quite rigid in terms of style of play. And Forrest had to learn on the job last season and the way that they did that was by adding a few experienced heads. So players like Cech Cuyate, who are never going to steal the headlines, they helped nurse some of the players through. We ended up signing um, Felipe, whose shirt is over my shoulder here. <laughs> and Felipe, even though he wasn't used to the Premier League, you know, he's a real warrior. He's signed him at 33 years old, having played in, in the Champions League and in, in uh, La Liga and so on and so forth. And so that kind of that experience and fighting spirit was one of the things that got, got Forrest over the line and there's a real unity in the squad. I think with young players, although you've got that youthful enthusiasm, you may not have that, that right kind of fighting spirit because you haven't got the experience to know how to get out of difficult situations. And company maybe hasn't got that level of managerial experience just yet. So that's not to say he yeah, won't it, be a successful manager, it, but I just was, don't think they're there yet. He
0: was decent, he was decent at Anderlecht before, uh, I exactly. don't think he set the world alight, but he was a decent. Analyst got the Burnley job. I think they got promoted too early. They were very good in the championship last year. I don't think they realised how good they were going to be. Um, it was a weaker championship. Some of the big teams like your West Broms have still fallen off, and even this season, your your Norwich Cities uh, are still struggling this season. Um some of those big clubs have, who got relegated, well, yeah, were not good last season but so burnley didn't expect to be as good as they were and jump back so quickly uh, and i think that's part of the issue i um,
1: think i think it i think it possibly is but they spent a lot of money and yeah. so when you spend a lot of money you'll always get questions asked about have you spent it in the right places and for hmm. the right kind of player so you know james trafford's a, a good example isn't he um a young goalkeeper it's a real gamble to have a young goalkeeper when you're going up to the top flight, quite,
0: I think was, he was—he won the under twenty ones championship in England, didn't he? And he,
1: he was certainly quite high high was...
0: up at City. I think they really appreciate. Him.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and he was one of the players of the tournament. Um, uh, you know, along with Anthony Gordon and and our very own Morgan Gibbs White, they were the players yeah. who probably you know captured the captured the attention a fair bit, which I guess you'd expect playing at opposite ends of the pitch. But hmm. um, yeah, so tr- it's not to say that Trafford's not good, but I say. Really, you need experience, and and you need um, a a really kind of um, you need a wise old head um, of strategic mm. points in the team. And I'm not sure that that Burnley have got enough of that. Um, again, it'd be interesting to see what they do in the transfer window. Have they got the money to spend? Obviously, Forest last season, we we really did speculate to accumulate and. Mm. The thing that everyone criticized Forrest for signing twenty nine players, but what Forrest actually did was they signed two teams essentially. they signed a squad for if we stayed up and they signed a squad for if we went down. So actually a lot of the players in the second um in the second category are either have either left the club or are out on loan and the players who we signed to be Premier League players, most of them are still around. Burnley haven't done that maybe because they haven't got the financial capability maybe because that was not the the tactic they wanted to use um and to say what that means is that there's a danger they put all their eggs in one basket by signing younger players who haven't Mm. haven't haven't quite got that level of experience um just a word on Brighton if I may really like Brighton um obviously Deserbi, great manager but yeah they are they are struggling due to lack of personnel um it's an interesting one because Lewis Dunk is simultaneously a brilliant and terrible player in my in my eyes. When he's brilliant, he looks absolutely brilliant, and when he's terrible, like he had an absolute stinker at City Ground last season. He, he,
0: he seems that he was a star of that team when they got promoted at the back. How many years ago was that now? Because I yeah. went because I went to the semi final the year before when they didn't get promoted. Because mm-hmm. I because I I live near Brighton, so I live in Sussex. And I went to the final when they lost to, I don't remember who it was off by heart but um, they lost in the semi-final, it was Hart, right? mm. and, um, uh and uh, uh, Chris Hooten. And um, obviously they got promoted the year after. And uh, he was the, one of the stars of the team then.
1: He's still in the squad now. Yeah. But he's he's a, he's a classic one club man, isn't he? He's, he's, yeah. he's, you know, come up through the ranks. I think he's low. He's local to the area, if I remember rightly. And, yeah. you know, club captain and all of that. And he'll he'll finish his career there, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's but when he's not there, they miss his presence because he is mm. that kind of that that captain leader type figure. Mm. Um they've, you know, and I, the thing I worry about most with Brighton, and, and maybe this is a bit of a Deserby trait, is their disciplinary record is not good. Deserby's getting yellow cards all the time. They're getting yellow and red cards on the pitch all the time. Some of them are deserved, some of them less so, as every club gets. But, yeah, um, when when every club is struggling with injuries, you've got to make sure you're also not losing players due to suspension.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we going to injuries. Like it is every club this season. It's because of the amount of games they've got to play. And I keep saying it, like every season. I mean, the European competitions, are just adding more, adding non-necessary national leagues, adding more teams to the Champions League. But and even
1: it even, all for goes
0: Forrest, back to
1: money. even for Forest, even for Forest as a team who aren't in Europe though. Um, so Forest. Um so we had we had euro 2020 which was obviously a summer late um yeah. forest got promoted and then that meant that there wasn't really a summer then uh because of the short gap between seasons because of the world cup in the winter it meant there wasn't really a summer um uh event so there's not enough rest period and i know that you could argue well it's not that long ago that players would play like 50 games in a season, blah blah blah. But the the levels of athleticism, the mm. levels of sports science that are required to keep players going at, at elite performance level, and also there's a lot of questions to be asked about about pitches and so on. It's huge. Science going to the game. Of
0: the game as well. So every minute, every game is nine minutes longer than it would would have been before.
1: Well, yeah, this that's a bit of a funny one. I I think it is right that that they add on stoppage time for for minutes that are wasted. I do think that's right. I'm 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 assuming that the tactic there in terms of the powers that be is to say, well, if you don't want so much time to be added on, then don't fanny about so much, basically. <laughs> and actually, there have been games recently where we've seen you know the the board goes up and it's only it's only four minutes um so maybe the message is getting through in that way
0: yeah definitely like even before we move on to the next game it's like even um our captain bruno fernandes he last season, oh, he's played he's only missed one game for us since we signed him under Oli. and that was um because of his illness he's never been injured but in that time last season he played 60 games mm
1: and then people well, wonder you know, why, so why he, he, he's
0: dropped off this season
1: yeah he gets a lot of rest though doesn't he because he's on track back
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um anyway the next game is uh crystal palace one liverpool two um liverpool just keep keep on getting the results i think they're going to be there in the, in the title race definitely i think i think they're probably my favorites for the title now um yeah, I would agree. It. I think I, th- I think City have dropped off. I think Pep's clearly not happy. He's moaning every week. <laughs> every press conference, Pep's moaning about something. He's not happy. Um, I think fall off maybe from doing the treble. Um, and I think Liverpool, no European football has helped them this season. I think, well, like everyone else we've said about the injuries, I think they've had the freshest squad. And I think that's why they're going to win the league this season. Yeah, I'm I hate just, to say it as a United fan, but
1: I think it's I think it's difficult to disagree. And again, astute signings. So they've signed players who kind of who fit the mold. So Sabozlai, you know, he wears a number eight shirt, but he is a proper kind of you know he can do the box to box. He can ghost into the in into the opposition area at the right times. He's able to shoot from distance. He's able to create chances. He's able to do his defensive work. So he's been a really astute signing. Yeah, I'm proven listening. wrong because
0: I I've ra- I rate I rated him. I've been proven wrong because I thought I was quite against their summer like last summer because I thought it's very risky changing your whole midfield. Yeah. In one window. Um, It can go either way, yeah, yeah. and it's paid off for them. But it could have went very bad, but
1: yeah. And but again, I think this shows that whole idea that we're talking about in terms of football structure and having a strategy. So Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, McAllister wasn't signed on the basis of having a great season for Brighton last year. He was signed because they'll have done done their homework and thought, okay, what role do we want him to fill? Yes, he wears the number 10 and he, he he frequently played in a slightly more advanced position for Brighton. But they're mm. basically playing him as a number six to let him set the tempo in midfield mm. because they know that in terms of the way they play, they know that they'll play with these three forwards who will be pacey. They'll play off the shoulder. They will get down the wings and in the channels and create chances. And there'll be a player ghosting into the box when, those play, when the forwards do that. So they know that actually having McAllister there as someone who's setting setting the tempo is important. And maybe that's something that they struggled with the last two or three seasons a little bit because they weren't quite sure. Is it Fabinho? Is it Henderson? Is it Cater? You know, Henderson as his legs were starting to go, Fabinho, good player, but did he never get, struggled to get consistent run of games? Cater seemed to be preferred for the European matches. And so all three of those have gone. And McAllister, they've got a player who can do all of those, all of those in one. Um mm-hmm. so Bosli, they've got a player who can take on that number eight mantle. Harvey Elliott's coming into his own now. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot to be there's a lot to like about them. But at the back, I think they are struggling a little bit because again, numbers. So um Canate struggles to get a run of games, Matip's out for a while, Joe Gomez. It seems like he's not the player that he was before his injuries. Um, and especially and it, it increasingly looks like Alexander-Arnold's playing at right-back to fill in as a right-back <laughs> because he's obviously really occupying, you know, England regard him as a midfielder. I think Klopp would want to regard him as a midfielder, but they don't have players in the full-back positions to trust to fill that gap. Yeah,
0: I agree, definitely. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I found saying Liverpool are very pressing, I know. Uh, <laughs> But next we go to Spurs, and they got a very good result for um, the form they've been in. They finally got a win, and that was a 4-1 win against Newcastle. Both teams with a lot of injuries, but a very good result for Pochakoglu and um, Spurs. And with the results in European football, could there be a bit of pressure on Eddie Howe now um, with with the structure there and the City? heard a lot of rumors jose's name has come up yet again uh, for return to the premier league and and Newcastle. do you think they could be a bit under pressure at the moment i think i think it's a bit harsh i think eddie howe's done a very good job there and first a very hard group to come back into the european football with Yeah, yeah after so long i think i think it would be very harsh but you saw it with abu dhabi and city with Mark Hughes that they brought they brought in the manager who steadied his ship and then they wanted instant results
1: Um, yeah I think there's something I think I mean obviously we'll 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 only find out if and when a change happens what I would say is uh, Eddie Howe yeah he's in a position whereby he's not had to deal with having so many games and 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 the squad's looking thin so Liveramento I really like him by all accounts, he's doing a very good job at left back, but he's a right back. Um, Sven Botman, their marquee signing as a defender, he's out in long-term injured, which means they've gone back to Jamal Lascelles, who's playing really, really well and is, of course, a club captain, a player that, that obviously Forest fans know well because that's where he started his career. Um, I'd be lying if I said I ever thought he'd be a Champions League um, competing <laughs> captain. Um and then in midfield, again they've had they've struggled to put out a consistent midfield. So Joe Linton's been the consistent one, but with Guimaraes and uh, Longstaff, and now they're playing the seventeen-year-old, aren't they, Miley? Um, yeah. So I think they they're, they are struggling a little bit in terms of numbers, and and that's shown through when when you see like players like Matt Ritchie getting the amount of minutes he is um, because
0: I feel, I feel for them because of the injuries we've had this season. But I kind of don't because they were saying United at the start of the season, oh, they're complaining about injuries, they're complaining about injuries. We haven't had a back line this season, consistent mm. back line. And then we played, and they, I can't remember who they lost to a few weeks, about a month back, and um, one of their players come out about after the game and says, have you heard about all the injuries we've had? The media slandering us. We haven't had a backline in
1: a season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but there's... There, there... OK, so as somebody who supported a team who hadn't been in the Premier League for, for 20-odd years, there are times when you get really, really frustrated when you see big clubs complaining about injuries. It's like, well, you've got the spending power and you should have the academy to be able to bring players through. But, of course, ultimately everyone's still only got a 25-man squad plus whichever yeah. youth players you can you can add into the mix um so that's the thing Every, like even in even amongst friends I don't know if they're doing it deliberately but you get you get whatsapp messages saying oh how are Forrest going to pick a squad you know looking at here's the Forest team coach and it's like an ocean liner or whatever um but you can only have a 25-man squad so yeah. and we have it means to rely to, on
0: the position we are at the moment that we haven't to rely on short-term fixes, like stupid free. Like regalon has been very good, I, and I respect Regalon. Like he was, he was an emergency signing. Um, but then you had Veghorst, emergency signing, not yeah. United quality. Um, who was the midfielder from Leipzig? Um, I can't remember his name. Oh
1: uh, uh, yeah, 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 Sabitzer.
0: Sabitzer didn't wasn't the quality. Mm. Uh. And even I, th- I think he can be a good bird, but I think Amrabat can be a decent player. But even we have to get him on the line with an option is buy because the money just not there. And that's the situation we're in at the moment. Um,
1: and so this comes down to, you know, this is conflating two or three issues, isn't it? Number one, the rate of injuries in, in, in top flight football. Number two is FFP. And then number three is squad limits. Um, and actually, you know what? FFP and squad limits, I'm I'm generally in favor of, but I do think from a, a human point of view, yes, I know footballers are really, really well paid and they get really well paid even if they're not playing. But some there has to be some kind of soul searching in the in the game about the level of injuries, the fact that so many people are getting muscle injuries, things like ACLs and those kinds of things. It strikes me as though a lot of those must be avoidable. There has to be ways to stop so many players getting these long term debilitating injuries that can actually ruin your career.
0: Yeah, definitely. Got a few more games to move on quickly for free before we uh, talk about your beloved Follis Forest. So, uh, Luton won Man City 2. We touched on that earlier. Really unlucky for Luton again. I do feel bad for them. they had some really unlucky games recently. Um, I'd love if they stay up, but I can't see it just because of their luck.
1: All the fighting spirit, but unfortunately, most of their quality lies in Ross Barkley and Andros Townsend. Um, yeah. So, And we've seen them come to the fore. Um, they've, got, they've got all the fight. Will that be enough? Possibly not. But, yeah, it's really great to see them up there. It's really great to see them give it a go.
0: Yeah, definitely. And City, again, not great, but they got the result. Uh, Then we had Fulham five, West Ham, nil. What a result for
1: Fulham. Made Forest fans feel a bit better after getting five knocked past us by Fulham (laughs) uh, in midweek. That was very, very painful. Um, The bottom line is, is that a 5-0 result only happens when one team plays really well and the other team plays really, really badly. And in many ways, West Ham are a bit of a mirror of Forest in that every time that there's a defeat, then you go through the whole exhausting thing of, oh, is the manager good enough? Should he go? And so on and so forth. And of course, there's some talk. I mean, we mentioned Palace very, very briefly earlier. There's some talk if Cooper were to leave Forest, then he could go to a Palace or a West Ham um and uh, yeah, so be that would just be an interesting, interesting scenario. Um, you know, they the other question is, should Moyes have gone on a high when he won that yeah. uh, the Conference League last season?
0: Yeah, could have been there, yeah, but I think West Ham. I think Moyes is the manager from around round mid Premier League. Yeah. I think he's quite happy there, but it's, it's two or three seasons now he's been close to the second and actually i think if he didn't win in the competition last year he could have gotten last season for their premier League form um and their premier League form's not been great this season but i think i think he'll be all right He's there or thereabouts not far off the top um i think he, i think west ham need to be a bit careful because and know where they are so i think they're roughly where you'd expect them to be as a club, I think i have losing five five don't west that effort was bad, but position where they are in the league, I think it's roughly where you expect. it to be
1: Yeah, and 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 of course, you know, as fans you always want more. I get I guess it comes back to that that old chestnut again is that if you get rid of Moyes, then realistically who you're gonna get that's gonna be an upgrade. I don't know if that's a if that's if that's a fair question or a realistic question, but it's a question that all Premier League All football fans would need to ask if they think if they're calling for their manager's head, who would you realistically get? Who would be a better able to extract more from the players and the resources at your disposal?
0: And that's a perfect statement to resources, to a club who has spent one point five billion pounds and are worse than United. But the media don't like talking about that. (laughs) Because <laughs> it's not United, uh, and that's Chelsea losing two 0 to Everton. Um horrendous again from Chelsea. They make we like we've been horrendous and we beat them the other day and we made them look. They made us look good when we played them. They were not good again, and they spent a lot of money. And questions need to be asked of them. But I, I feel bad for Poch because he's been handed. Like I think it's similar to like I know you know when you got promoted. Um, and for different circumstances, you, did, you had a lot of players out of contract and all that, but you had basically a whole new squad. Yeah. Um, and it's very hard to gel. And I think Chelsea are in a very similar position now. And I write Potch as a manager. I do. Um, uh, going back a few years ago before Ten Hag, and um, when we sacked to Oli, he was the manager I wanted. Mm. And uh, he's a great manager, but I think it's just poison poisonous club
1: once again you have to ask the question of does the owner know what he's doing in terms of running a club um, because everything seems a bit messy there the amount of money that they've spent um, and the return they're getting from that is just ridiculous um, and are they capable of cutting their cloth well there's some questions there
0: yeah Anyway, that was the results from last week. So uh, about 10 minutes now. How is your season going? What's your expectations for the rest of the season? Um, do you think the manager will be there? Do you think he'll leave? Um, yeah, just generally let us know what you do and talk about um, Forrest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, so um, with regard to Forest, I mean, obviously last season staying up in 16th position... I think was a, was a, was a good achievement. It looked pretty hairy. There were two times when it looked like the manager was in danger, which was uh, back in October. We'd lost four 0 to Leicester, and in a pretty clueless performance. And then we had a bad run of form in February. And both times, there were pretty strong rumours that the, the club were looking elsewhere. But after the Leicester match, they actually gave Cooper a new long term contract.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What I would like is I would like to see the club put less stock in just signing players. Mm. I don't think that's necessary. You need to have, obviously, a good flow of talent coming into a football club, but I think that um, sometimes a and whether this is down to the cultural leanings of our owner, who is—you who cannot argue about the owner's commitment to the club. He has tried to put things right in the business side of things. Yeah, he's trying Olympiacos to get Forest as well, not Yeah, and just like with Olympiacos, he's getting the club involved in the community, in the city, and doing lots and lots of good things in that sense. So, really establishing the club as being. You know under the previous um, owner for Waz Al Hasawi, Forrest lost a lot of trust in the local community amongst local businesses. They let down a lot of suppliers and so on and so forth. And we we're a bit of a laughing stock, frankly, like other clubs wouldn't do business with us. And that reputation has been restored. So Maranakis knows what he's doing in terms of the business side of things. But in terms of football, really, there needs to be going back to that that phrase that we've used a few times, that football structure, and I think we need to place trust in Cooper. There's always that question mark about how many of the signings are Cooper's own choice. Now, having said that, he's not infallible. So, Ibrahim Sangare, who was our big money signing, deadline day, midfield maestro. He has... He's been good in terms of his stats, but he's underwhelmed in terms of his on-pitch performance. Um, and and he and two or three of the other players, when we've been in a bad run of form recently, they have looked lost, and that's why Cooper changed the team last weekend and went back to those tried and trusted players. So um, so yeah. Is the manager under pressure? Always. Is it exhausting? Yes. Do I want Cooper to stay? I love him. I absolutely love him. And not just because of the results he's brought us and because he took us from the bottom of the championship to promotion in less than a year and then kept us in the Premier League. Those are all good reasons. But I love him because he's somebody who's really um, committed himself to the club, to the city, to the fan base. And his values and ethos. Basically, he's a good man, and I think there should be more room for having good people in a sport which, where so many, so many of us look to the sport um, and look for our role models. And I think that Steve yeah. Cooper is an excellent role see, model for anyone
0: as well. like a few of his press conferences as well. And similar to Ten Hag, like you can see, you can see. I see, I see a completely different style of management. I see similars. Simulations in both of them, like where they are, and oh, with the structure. But I think there could be a potential, so sort of a decent structure there at Forest if it's done properly. Like with that link for Olympiacos, I think if that's done properly, um, like if you get the proper directors in, the proper director start, like you could have similar to like a Red Bull group, and they've got um, like to uh, RB Salzburg. You could do something similar there with Olympiacos where they could kind of link in with, with Forrest to kind of be that.
1: There have been leanings in that direction. So, for example, one of the board members who was the chief executive at Forrest, um, he, he's also on the board of directors at Olympiacos um, and, and so on and so forth. So there, there are those kinds of... Um, those, and there have been players who've gone between the two clubs, uh, in, including some this season. So there is that kind of thing about having having a feeder relationship, which actually is, is both ways. Yeah. I don't think that we're there yet in terms of having that kind of that that RB type structure. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. and I'm not sure that I'm not sure how sustainable that would be um between Greece and the Premier League. Yeah. But what I would say is Olympiakos, they're in the Champions League every year. Um they are demonstrably one of if not the top team in greece um and so it comes with a weight of expectation the owner yeah. demands success and yeah. so the question being will mid-table be enough for him and yeah. will he see steve cooper as being able to deliver more than mid-table with all the resources at his disposal yeah definitely i you put
0: that brilliantly um yeah. I don't know if you have anything else to add
1: on that. <laughs> well, I mean, the the only thing I say, I'd just like to reiterate, um, I absolutely love Steve Cooper. I he's the kind of guy who I want representing the club that I support. And I'm old enough, you know, you would you would have been brought up watching United under under Sir Alex. I was brought up watching Forest under Sir Brian Clough, who never got that knighthood. Um, <laughs> but what that means is that there's a whole generation or generations of forest supporters for whom actually values and doing things the right way and ethos and culture are very, very important. And I'm one of those. Um, it's not all just about going out and winning football matches. And I think there's a danger that football fans generally have short memories because you sometimes see, and I know that Twitter's a bad place to go for this, but you sometimes see Forest supporters saying, oh, we should be demanding more. We should this and the other. It's like we've just come from 23 years out of the top flight Um, I've watched Forest have three seasons in League One playing the worst football I've, I've seen a team in red play, never mind a Forest team, any team wearing red. (laughs) Um, And, and we had some really horrific times some some really bad managers some really bad players and, and sometimes when actually, it made you question about about the club that you that you love. So I think sometimes we need to think about our expectations and we need to think about what it is that we actually actually want and expect and think is realistic so be optimistic sure and demand more yes but also remember it could be way way worse so when you see United fans or you see Arsenal fans on AFTV who are saying oh this is outrageous this is appalling it's like no mate I've been in League One <laughs> you know yeah. I've been to Walsall away where I froze my toes off and Forrest didn't even <laughs> have a shot you know <laughs> so it could be worse.
0: Yeah I am um... But I compare it a little bit to like, um, situation to like Leeds, like a club that was in the championship for years and years, massive club like Forest. and um, they got themselves promoted, stayed up a few years, or maybe fought the manager who was a legend at Leeds, um, in Bielsa, they loved Bielsa. Maybe thought maybe it's time for a change. That change happened at Leeds and it didn't work, and they've struggled they obviously got relegated they had three managers that season they got relegated and um they've not been I think they're a little bit better this season I, uh, they might come back up but they, they've struggled ever since
1: and it's slightly different because by any measure how do you replace a manager like Bielsa you know the guy was already a legend Steve Cooper's become a legend so, yeah. but the question being, would you be able to replace him? So the question being, if the club get rid of Cooper, then who can you realistically get in at Forest? Who would be an upgrade? And there are, you know, there's talk about the likes of Oliver Glasner. There's talk about Julien Lopetegui. There've been some fans who said Potter, but I don't think that's realistic. If, if Forest fans demand success, then Potter's not going to bring it to him in the space of, in the space of half a season. You know, that's not the guy you want. Um, Glasner and La I can have some sympathy with, but if you change the manager, then you've got to bring someone better in. So going back to the Villa example, if you get rid of Dean Smith and bring in Steven Gerrard, then that's one thing. But if you go to Steven Gerrard and bring in Unai Emery, then that's another thing entirely. So, so, you know, um, you're, it's high stakes, let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's great having, having you on. We're going to quickly run through the games uh, coming up this week uh, before we end. So uh, our first game is yourself. And that is Nottingham Forest at Forest versus Spurs. So uh, Spurs has just come off a win after a bit of shaky, shaky results. Um how do you think you'll do against uh, the high line?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> the well, very, we've got very Ant- high line. <laughs> we've got
1: we've got Anthony Langa, and as you know, he's quite quick. Yeah. So I'm hoping that will make a difference. <laughs> However, he's also um utterly incapable of making a decision when he gets through. So um a, so that, that's that's an interesting much, one. So. He's young, he's he's, you know, right. he's young yeah. players, he's got a lot of potential. Um, what I would say is that uh it'll be interesting to see the team that, that Forrest pick, whether they stick with five at the back, whether they put for, put in and out and out. We've basically with Tyra One missing, we've got either Chris Wood or Devocarigi. Neither of them are fully fit, so it might well be that we go for a similar thing with no out-and-out out striker, but kind of Getting Gibbs White and Alanga to play beyond yeah. beyond the midfield, I mean, uh, I mean, with 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 Spurs, um, you know, I say they're they're a good team. Angie's a good man, manager, but they do play this high line. The main thing that could be the difference is I'm expecting an absolutely raucous atmosphere. The fans have been really fired up um, in support of Cooper, but also they've. I think there's there's a real kind of fire in the belly that's been rediscovered after that performance against Wolves last season, uh, last season, last weekend. Um, <laughs> even if it didn't get the results, it shows that actually the, there are players there and the manager and they do care. Yeah, I think,
0: yeah. I, think, um, I don't know if Spurs are going to hit a bit of form again now, but they've still got a lot of injuries. Um, that was a great result against Newcastle, but it was a Newcastle who we've spoken about, it has been ripped apart because of injuries, such the birds himself as well, but I am going to go and say you get the draw here, 2-2. Two, two.
1: I think it makes all the differences at City ground. So yeah. I think it's one of those, it's one of those odd situations, actually, the fact we're playing a good team means we're maybe more likely to to give it some and actually um, maybe even get a win.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. What's your score? Yeah. Sure.
1: Oh, you didn't tell me. You're going to pin me down to predicting results. Okay, I'm going to go 2-1.
0: 2-1. Uh, next, we go back. Uh, we go to Bournemouth. Uh, straight after a 3-0 win against United. Pick up a bit of form versus Luton, who have been very, very unlucky, as we've spoken about. Um, I think Bournemouth are going to be a bit fired up. I think Luton are going to be maybe a little bit down downbeat by results the last few weeks. like They've been so unlucky. I'm going
1: to go 2 1 Bournemouth. I think it's probably going to be 2 um, 0 to Bournemouth. It's, it's definitely going to be a home win. Bournemouth are in a good run. And I say, like you say, I think the, the trouble is when you haven't got the quality and you've only got fight, then um, when the results start going against you, the heads will go down after a little while.
0: Yep. And next we have uh, Sheffield United travelling to Stamford Bridge. Chelsea coming off some bad form. Sheffield United getting a win last time out. I can't can't predict Chelsea with anything at the moment. Can they both lose? I don't I don't I don't I don't rate Sheffield United, but like Chelsea is so bad.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I'm gonna go two two.
1: Ooh, I'm not sure I can see Sheffield United scoring two goals. Um, so for that reason, I think I'm going to go 2-1 to Chelsea, but with the Sheffield United goal being a late consolation.
0: Uh, next we go to Manchester City. I think they've got an easy win here against Crystal Palace. Yeah. I'm going
1: to go 3-0. I'm going to go 3-0. Uh, next we have Newcastle
0: versus Fulham, Fulham is in very good form the last two games. Newcastle have been done by injuries. I'm going to go for a 3 two win against uh, for Fulham.
1: Have mm, Newcastle is um Wilson and Isaac are both kind of limping through matches, aren't they? So yeah, I, I was uh, I was going to go for a two nil to Fulham, but I think that um, if one or both of the strikers are able to play some minutes, then they might get a goal. So let's go two one to Fulham.
0: Yeah. And next, we have Burnley-Everton, relegation, dogfight here, yeah. Sean Geis versus his old club.
1: And uh, I
0: can only see everyone. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to no Everton.
0: Yeah, they have been in better form, but going back to Burnley, I think it's going to be a fight. I'm going to go 2-2. Two and, two. Mm-hmm. and, yeah, it's what? So, Arsenal versus Brighton. Uh, Brighton, off a bit. I think Arsenal get the result here. Um, I think they've dropped off a little bit. Brighton, so I'm going to go 2 1 Brighton. 2 uh, 1 Arsenal, sorry.
1: 4 2 2 Arsenal.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Brentford versus Villa. Oh, that's going to be a tasty game, that one. Potentially, game of. Oh, no, it's not game of the week. Got the big game coming up. Um, Brentford versus Villa I'm going to go 3-2 Villa Uh,
1: I'm going to go 3-1 to Villa Yep.
0: Uh, West Ham versus Wolves
1: 2-1 West Ham Oh, that's a tricky one Um, I'm going to go for a dour 2-2 draw And
0: then the big one not looking forward to this liverpool versus manchester united at anfield <sighs> two two that's my heart saying that
1: <laughs> um home win it's just a question of yeah what the scoreline is going to be um i'm gonna go four 0 to liverpool yeah. with no malice no love for liverpool and no malice towards man united um but liverpool are in good form yeah. and i cannot see united scoring many at the moment
0: yeah i agree so uh thanks for coming on remind us where you people can catch you
1: well uh my uh, our twitter feed is on the screen there but if you want to get touch um we have a podcast which is available on spotify apple all the usual places um YouTube as well and um, we've got presence on Instagram and TikTok as well as on Twitter and indeed on threads so for all of that you can either search for 1865 the Nottingham Forest podcast or if you type in 1865 as one word dot football you'll see all our links there and um as well as doing match reports, we do a monthly roundup show and we've just launched our new show, The Friday Five, where we talk about the top five news stories coming out of the city ground, uh, which is little discussion. So the first one of those will be in the feeds uh, on Friday morning. Um, and apart from that, we'll do reports on the Spurs match over the weekend.
0: Yeah, make sure you guys check that out. Um, I believe you're also going to come back on for our charity transfer uh, deadline special.
1: Fingers um, crossed. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, deadline day, given our club ownership, could be a real roller coaster ride. So, um, how distracted yeah. we'll be on the day, I'm not quite sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one. We, uh, if you are interested, by the way, drop us a line. We are trying to get representatives from the majority of the Premier League, if we can. Um, obviously, our beloved Dan, uh, four or five months ago passed of cancer very sad news but um, we have a fundraiser for Dan uh, and and cancer uh, so it's going to be a charity stream for that so we're going to be live for six or seven hours up right till after the deadline uh, we're all going to be in yellow with the team and uh, yeah it should be a lot of fun hopefully we raise some money for cancer so this has been Let's Talk Sport. We have been your Premier League show. Uh, thanks for coming on, mate. And we will see you next week.